Hey everyone, it's AJ here from Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. Huge, huge moment loading as we talk to Siviwe Sheikhs Soyezwapi, captain of our Blitzbox 7s team. This is part one of a two-part series where Sheikhs shares personal details of his upbringing in rural Eastern Cape and how he came to play rugby despite being the son of a football coach of a very famous South African club. He also opens up about the pitfalls of bad decisions after signing his first pro contract and his path back to finding God again. If you're enjoying our work, please give us a punt on your socials and reach us on all major podcast apps. Search for The Caller Podcast, where faith meets sport and life. The Call-Up Podcast, where faith meets sport and life. This is brought to you by Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. So, I've got a first today. We've got a first on the Call-Up Podcast. This is the first time that we have had a national team captain. (laughs) <laughs> on the podcast now okay this you're only the 10th person to feature but nonetheless this is a landmark moment for our podcast uh we have had a vice captain uh we had the men's pro tiers field hockey captain uh keenan horn yeah. um on a few months ago and if you haven't checked that podcast out yet highly recommended uh keenan just talks about how he kind of navigated the dual dream of being an, an olympic uh Uh, hockey player international hockey player and pursuing his studies so that uh, he could pursue a career in law brilliant brilliant uh, testimony of God's goodness and God's faithfulness but we have a national team captain they seem to make them in the Eastern Cape Um, and some of you are thinking we've got Searon but no we've got Shakes the captain of our uh, Blitzbocker Sevens team and what we want to do today um, is track your rugby story track your faith story um, and I think later on do something I think is really really crucial and that's talk about how your faith has helped you navigate some of the lean times and tough times Mm. that you've experienced more recently um but before we dive in do that deep dive today um got to ask you a really important question how on earth did you end up with the name Saviwe? <laughs> welcome to the podcast by the way thank you very much bruce uh yeah it's a massive honor for me to sit here today and um as you mentioned i think there's really been individuals that have made a name for themselves in sports that have been in this position so i don't take it lightly at all um yeah for me i'm from the eastern cape and um you would guess then that um since my name is Siviwe that i'm closer so um in Kosa, Siviwe means our prayers were heard it actually means we were heard and wow. my parents were referring to the prayers that they had been praying to God uh, for a boy. So I'm um, a boy amongst three sisters, and they were praying for a boy, and their prayers were answered. Wow. And my prayers, our prayers have been answered <laughs> because we've been waiting a little while to get you on this podcast. So, um, um, but that's one of the beautiful things that, you know, as a pommy, 
uh, living in South Africa for the last 14 years, I think one of the things I really love about many of our cultures here is just the significance mm. behind the naming yeah. uh, of children. There's something really beautiful. And actually that aligns with the scriptures, you know, in the Hebrew scriptures, people are given names for a reason. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's a real purpose um, behind those names. But uh, uh, just tell us a little bit more about your background growing up. I know from our conversations previously, um, you know, pretty humble background. Um, and your mother was a woman of faith. Just just yeah. tell us a little bit more about life growing up in the Eastern Cape. Yeah, a small town in Maclear, uh, born in Mtata, uh, obviously because Maclear never really had a hospital to have uh, mothers deliver their babies. So we had to travel about an hour to... Yeah to get to St. Mary's Hospital, where I was born. I uh, grew up in Maclear. I went to Maclear Primary School. And um, yeah, it's it was it's a small farm town, close to roads. Uh, the other uh, towns that are around there is Yugi, Elliot, Barclay East. And um, maybe I'll, maybe people will know Alo North, which is very close to Bloemfontein. Um, yeah, I think being there in primary school, um, you're not exposed to much. You don't have a lot of resources. You're quite mm-hmm. content with that um, life at that level. And um, yeah, I mean, we had family close by in the villages that surround Maclear. My cousins lived in a village called Engolosi. My my mom, uh, my mom's uh, homestead as well was pretty close, which was Mbandela. Um, my dad as well, um, right next to Yugi, which was a Kakala. So pretty much, um, as you said, humble beginnings, uh, village life, small town boy. Um, luckily, we had like sports that I was exposed to pretty young. My dad was a football coach. He coached. Okay. He coached. Um, he coached uh, Jomo Cosmos while when they were still based in um, Tata. Did he really? He did. He did. So, so that 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 begs a, a, a big question because does that explain why you've got the name Shay? Because that's that's a name definitely associated with soccer, right? Absolutely. Um, the actually the name itself it comes from the comic book uh, Super Strikers. So yeah, yeah, the star player of the of the comic is Shakes and. When we used to travel, myself and my dad would leave the girls at home, go on his football trips where he had games. I'd travel with him, he'll buy himself a newspaper. In that newspaper, there will be that comic book, which I became very fond of. I started reading it and I, I fell in love with this main character called Shakes and the the, um, the boys who my dad coached, they, they caught on to it and they started calling me Shakes because of that. And the comic is all about football and um, being in a football team. Yeah, I actually thought I'd play soccer at this well, that, <laughs> that That leads itself really nicely into this question, because how on earth does a, a gossip boy who um, lives in a, a rural part of the country whose father is a, a soccer coach and you get the nickname Shakes after a, a fictional cartoon character <laughs> Um, in a in a in a soccer cartoon book, end up playing rugby. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was God's plan, I guess. Because <laughs> I, honestly, <laughs> I also thought I'd I'd end up in soccer. Um, I mean, everything I did, we 
traveled from Maclear to Mtata, Maclear to East London. We'd go to KZN to play fixtures. We'd play in Matatiyal. We we traveled a lot, and I was around a football team. I was around uh, soccer players. My dad, all he watched was was soccer. He tried to get me into it. Um, but at my school, in Maclear Primary School, there was no soccer. And most of my time I spent in Maclear. He would get up, drive to Tsolo, which is nearby. He'd run his business. He had a taxi. And um, after school, then that means while he's working, I'm at school. After school, I need to do my extra murals. That's how they kept me out of trouble. I did my extra murals, ended up doing everything, but there was no football. So, yeah, there was rugby at, at the school at the time. And I was basically playing rugby as an extramural activity. I didn't even think I'd play rugby. Never. But football wasn't an option, so... Football wasn't an option. And to actually carry on the rugby story is a, a good friend of mine. We were best friends. Uh, we grew up together in Maclear. His name is uh, Umil. He actually lives in Cape Town as well. He played... He was crazy about rugby. We... He had DSTV at his house, so we would go watch rugby at his house. That's that's all he he watched as well. He followed rugby religiously. He knew all the Springboks um, from back in the days. He knew all the All Blacks from back from back in the days. So he actually taught me a lot about rugby itself. He played rugby Craven Week under thirteen when he was um, eleven. He played Craven Week under thirteen when he was twelve. He played Craven Week under thirteen when he was thirteen three years in a row and I just for me I had this burning desire to to join him at some stage I mean we played in the same team but I just never cracked it at, at a provincial level and um, yeah he his dad saw that he was actually achieving so much in the game and he he wanted to send him to a boys school and a rugby playing school uh, a, a school with a rugby culture he his dad lived in King Williamstown for for work, so in King, where Dale College is, Dale College yeah. is where his dad um, got um, introduced to a, a rugby loving man called uh, Figula Blau, and Figula Blau, who was our coach at a stage as well under fifteen, he gave um, Craven's dad. Akumila <laughs> ended up being called Craven because he played Craven for so long. <laughs> And um, he gave Craven's dad um, the application forms. Craven wanted to go to the boarding school, but he wanted to go with me. We were close. We were close and we did everything together. So he wanted me to come with and we couldn't afford it. So we, we knew we couldn't afford it. So I took the forms to my parents though. And they are. It's so, happened. So, so how did the door open at Dale? The my mom just said, God will make a way. We'll apply. We will apply Dale and God will make a way. Wow. She told me that she does not have the money or the finances to pay for my school fees. And you said something really interesting right at the, the, the top here. You said, you know, it was clearly part of God's plan. And I'm already getting a sense of something. Anybody <laughs> listening to this is getting a sense of that. Yeah. You know, course the boy, rural area, football family, but the only extra mural at your school is is rugby. Then you've got this friend who's really gifted, really talented, mm. 
um, and and his father has aspirations for him, but you're kind of in his shadow, yeah. and uh, and somehow I guess miraculously, mm. you know, a, a door opens for you at Dale. It did. I think the people that we meet and the people that we end up um, being the closest to God always has a reason for that. Mm. And funny enough, Craven today is successful in his own right. He studied hard. He was ab- incredibly clever. Um, and he's an accountant today. That's what he wanted to do. So so he became an accountant and you went on to become a professional rugby player. So at what point, obviously you've now got access to real opportunity, um, but you still have to take that opportunity. At yeah. what point did you go, hold on, I can maybe make a career out of this? To be honest with you, in primary, as I said, I took it as an extramural activity. Um, there was something burning inside of me to actually pursue it or actually just enjoy it enjoy mm-hmm. the game of rugby when Craven was um, just bringing something different to the small little town where he would go on on, on, a, on, a, on a Craven week to go and, and, and participate that was massive for us mm-hmm. that was something that we never saw we we spent weekends we spent weekdays we spent holidays in Maclear so for someone to travel and say I am going to Port Elizabeth to play at the Craven Week was something it's like going to another country (laughs) it was like going to another country so um, yeah it was something that uh, opened up my eyes but going to Dale listen I think Dale was a rugby school still is today and sometimes I would think that does this school even offer any classes or any form of education because of how rugby crazy they were and being there at boarding school the bug absolutely bit me and i fell in love with rugby at dell college mm-hmm. i enjoyed playing that's all i was doing just being part of the atmosphere of the school of the rivalries of um just being exposed to the game, throwing the ball around, mm-hmm. exercising, and just being in a team environment. That was something that I was drawn towards. Mm-hmm. I never, I still didn't make a provincial side at Dale under 16, a Grand Como level, nothing. Wow. I still had those aspirations while I was there because now I'm even more in love with the game, but I'm still not cracking it. The one time that I actually think that made the difference was when I went for trials in my grade 11 year and I didn't make the team again. So all those... This is really unusual because generally speaking, if you're going to make it at a Lehigh performance level, you're, you're, you're usually cracking it at provincial level. Yeah. As a bare minimum. Absolutely. And you're telling me a very different story here. That's true. That's true. I I never cracked it yeah. from under 13 level, under 16. So you got the passion, you got the opportunity. God's opened the door for you, but it's not happening. It's there. But I guess there's different paths for 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 different people and and as I sit here today, I I think of uh, another uh, man of God that 
I know who's a good friend. His name is Lizzo, Lizzo Popoka. And he never played rugby until he was 16 years old. Mm. And now he is, he's actually a Springbok. Mm. He's a Springbok. He's now based in Cape Town. He plays for the Stormers, currently mm. injured. But I know that path, pathways are different for each and every sports person and individual. Yeah. So... Yeah, and, and it's really interesting. We had Ricky Steenkamp, uh, now retired um, um, hurdler, and, and she never won her first race. I think she'll correct me if I'm wrong, until she was about 16. Yeah. And yet she had this burning passion to be a runner from like six or seven. Yeah. Um, she didn't even win any any significant race until she was like 16, 17, which is, which is pretty remarkable, and then goes on to be national champion for a decade and national record holder and, Amazing. you know, won a World Cup event at the London Olympic Stadium, you know, yeah. and, and it's crazy, isn't it? Like you say, and everybody has their own, everybody has their own journey, their yeah. own story, and somebody can be ahead of you. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and years later, um, they, they have a different story from you. Um, absolutely. So you have to stay in your lane, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I know. So... You know, eventually you do turn pro. Um, now, I'm trying to get this right because the names change so often, like Eastern Kings, Southern Kings, yeah, yeah. Um, Eastern Elephant. I, I get really confused, but, you you know, you eventually finish school, turn yeah. turn pro. But I've got to ask you this question. Cause I, you know, when, when we've chatted briefly, you know, that actually that was a real challenge for you, wasn't it? Um, you were brought up in a home with Christian values, but I think... When we when we get access to money, yeah, to a little bit of fame, um, and girls, yeah, <laughs> right. There's, yeah. you know, there's 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 greater temptation. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, the three great idols are sex, money, and power, yes. and celebrity. Yes, um, is 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 a form of power. Power. Yeah. And, um, you know, those idols, those idols demand our lives. And yes. what we give our lives to is, is ultimately what we become. Yes. Um, you're brought up in a Christian home with Christian values, but then you arrive in this space. How did you handle that? Um, just, just the pathway to, f to give people insight and understanding was eventually I got the call up from an injured player in the under 19 in under 18 academy week team okay. so i eventually made the provincial side playing at an academy level or playing for the b team of the academy of the provincial side so from there we played in in the free in the in kzn a little town called Frey 8 we competed there we actually did well from there uh there were a few scouts and 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 a lot of interest was um was sparked from getting that opportunity now all of a sudden i have these options to be able to go to a, a, a ep king's academy so i could have gone to durban i could have gone to pretoria my parents um again intervened and were like why don't i do something where i can study as well yeah be at the University of the Nelson Mandela yeah. University and and be close to home as well yeah. within the Eastern Cape. So I went that route and boom, you have a contract. You you your life has changed yeah. dramatically. Your profile's changed. Your profile has changed. <laughs> now you have money of your own. <laughs> that needs to do a lot of things for other people, but you still have money of your own. Yeah. So and to answer your question um 
Port Elizabeth for me was a the city of light. I mean, from where you've come from, it's a big city. I mean, if you're moving from Joburg or Durban or Cape Town, you go then you go, this is a bit sleepy. <laughs> Absolutely. For me, as you said, it was like going to another country. Yeah. I mean, we only went to the beach at the end of the year in December where we would really look forward to that as a family. And now I woke up and I saw the beach from my window which was an, a, a dramatic, drastic change in my life. And yeah, being part of the, the rugby academy and being in university, there's a lot of, there's a lot of other students, female students. There's, there's the temptation of girls, as you mentioned, and you have a contract, you mentioned money as well. Um, you got a bit more money than some of the other students, right? Absolutely. And now all of a sudden, since there's this connection between the the club and the school, you've got almost preferential treatment because yeah. you can't be in university the whole day. You have certain times that you come in being part of the, the class, but still doing what mm. you do. And the other students notice this, that it's it's almost a different life compared to them. Yes, you're a student, but it's so different. And... I think I'll be I'll be honest with you. Um, I I just went with the flow at that time. I went with the friends. What friends did in the team, um, they enjoyed themselves. We we worked hard. We really trained hard. We started our days at five o'clock in the gym, be at class at eight, train on the off, um, have a, a lecture in the morning, and train in the afternoon, back to res to study. And then eventually I moved out of res. I was part of, uh, now I lived at the at the academy house. And there it got worse because um, it's the freedom of being in your own space and just your teammates. Um, yeah, so weekends we would, we would go out with those clubs. I've never seen a club in my life. And we'd go out to clubs and see something different, loud music, lights. Um, so many people um yeah so to answer that question i think at the time I, I i went with the crowd and um i just did what my teammates did that's that's yeah. all i knew so you fitted in with the crowd I fitted in with the crowd yeah. you were uh, you weren't your own thermostat you no. decided to be a thermometer <laughs> and you'd go where the temperature was right absolutely absolutely yeah. so what happened i mean you know how did the prodigal get back home <laughs> Um, you know, I, the foundation that was laid for myself back home, um, by my, by my parents and my mom, um, it's something that stuck with me. And even while you're going out, you have so much guilt. You feel so guilty just for going out, but you really want to experience it. Um, you 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 know what's right and what's wrong, and that rings in your head daily. So you were brought up in taste and see that the Lord is good, but I say I haven't tasted this before, <laughs> so I'm going to give it a go. Absolutely, it's just like that that constant uh, fight of the flesh versus yeah. the spirit daily, and the flesh was winning, absolutely yeah. winning that fight. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think. I was there 2012, 2013, 2014. I 
again things were going well i started i got a uh, call up early to play for the senior team played super rugby at 21 wow and um it just got worse but for me there was always like a void or again this this feeling i had which call it guilt or call it whatever it is but i just knew that this is not the life i want to live yeah it's your conscience yeah, it's 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 the Holy Spirit reminding you what's real, yes, and what's true. Yeah, and I had to make a decision for myself. Mm. That's yeah. when I had to. I was ignoring the Holy Spirit, mm. and there came a time when I couldn't ignore that voice anymore. And I had to make a decision for myself. Remember that that foundation that was laid was just a foundation. Yeah. And it was it was my mom's I think I know she even says it today that this is what she wanted for her kids. Mm. But it wasn't something that we wanted for ourselves. Mm. It was still a decision that we would still have to make for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess you were in that stage where you were beginning to gain the whole world, but as Jesus said, forfeiting your soul. Absolutely. But you came back home. You surrendered. Absolutely. You gave it, <laughs> waved the white flag and said, that's it, I've had enough. Yeah. My pastor from, my youth pastor from McClear, his name's Stephen, still really close to me today. Um, he invited me to a summer camp that year, 2014. And... Um, we always used to go while I was in primary as well. And I hadn't gone because I moved to the big city now. So I was spending time in different, <laughs> I became I became a different person. I'm, I'm, I'm not coming back home as much. I'm not in the church as much as I used to be. Um, so Pastor Stephen, for some weird reason, we never spoke that much that year, but he just, rang me up and he said the summer camp this year same time of the year at the end of the year why don't you join us and with the year that I had I felt like God was just finding a way to reach out to me and he used that channel Yeah. at summer camp 15th of December 2014 I gave my life to the Lord. I made the decision for myself. 15th of December. 15th of December. I'm going to remember that day. So your 10th, your 10th born again birthday is this year. <laughs> it's this year. Yeah. It's 10 years this year in December. Yeah. See, God never lets go of his children, right? Never. Yeah. Never. And yeah. as I said, the people that you end up, that end up in your path, God uses those people. Yeah. Because Pastor Stephen was that person for me mm. that got the prodigal back home. <laughs> yeah. And he probably doesn't even know how why he ended up inviting you, but that's just the way the Holy Spirit works, right? Absolutely. You know, so praise God for that. Look, I want to jump on. I mean, that's 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 a beautiful part of your story, and we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Yeah. So it's really important that we talked about that. And there'll be athletes and others who, who are maybe listening to this, and they know that... Uh, Deep down inside, actually, the way they're living their lives 
it's not right mm. it doesn't line up something inside them whether it's the good seed of the gospel that was so, sown in younger years mm. or whether it's just their conscience yeah you know they're made we're all made in the image of god yeah and something always tells us you know this isn't what we're made for this isn't really satisfying um and my prayer is that you know maybe somebody who listens to this and is in that plan of all mine you know, as well. yeah um you know we'll know that actually there's a father calling them back home absolutely you know the the prodigal doesn't have to stay lost no no at all uh, and god's ready to to, <laughs> to throw a big party and say <laughs> hey welcome back the call-up podcast where faith meets sport and life this is brought to you by sports chaplaincy south africa the power of his dream brings you here LIA Productions.